Be Heavenly Father, so thank you for this day. Thank you that we could be here at church and just uh, learn more about you and learn about evangelism. And I just thank you that this past uh, Christmas that we all had a good one and that we could just spend time with family and fellowship with each other. And I just pray that as a uh, break continues for us that we can just uh, really hear what you want us to hear and come back to school when we go back and uh, have a heart for the lost and uh, just have a great day. Amen. All right, go ahead and turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. <clears throat> Psalm 119. <laughs> Psalm 119. All right, so... Uh, we've been talking about evangelism. We've been doing the heart of evangelism on Sundays. We're doing practical evangelism stuff on Wednesday nights. Bobby's been going through that. Um, I hope that it's made a difference so far. Uh, you're getting a lot of practical things that should change the way that you really view the people around you, people that you work with. Um, I just remember God really getting a hold of my heart piece by piece, but I remember when he would do that whenever... I would be at school and I would start thinking about my friends a little differently. And I know I've shared this with you guys before, but I remember there was a time where it just changed my perspective. That was really funny. You just totally ripped your study sheet. <laughs> Do you want another one? Okay. Can we get another study sheet for Dustin up here? He got, he got aggressive with his folding and just ripped the edge of it really hard. That was awesome. Definitely in the top 20. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> but anyway... That was great. All right. Um, but I just remember when my perspective changed with the people that were around me, when I stopped seeing them as, um, you know, either people that I was friends with or people that I wasn't friends with or people that might annoy me or people that I just didn't understand. When, it, when I stopped looking at them from that perspective and I started to see them as souls that God died for. That, that was a game changer for me. And that helps me. Like, even when I'm out in public, um, we can just get into the motions of, you know, got to go to the store, got to do this, got to do that, got to do this. I mean, and we, we're around people all the time. But if you would just stop for a second and just be still in your heart and look at another person and not just see them for what you normally see, but look into their eyes and understand that God died for that soul, it changes everything. And not knowing where their eternal destiny is going to lie, if they've made that decision to trust Christ as their Savior or not, I mean, it changes everything. Everything. It changes how you view them. It changes even how you understand or misunderstand them from time to time. It allows you to have a lot more grace and mercy for people. Because um, a lot of times people are just jerks just because of the circumstances that they were even in five minutes ago or, or a day ago or maybe they, their upbringing or maybe their household. or I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. And if we would just take a moment to value individuals as souls, I think that it would change our perspective. Because that's how, that's how after spending a, a time with the Lord in my life and the things that I even know that I've done, like how could God love me? And, and really it comes down to the fact that He loved my soul and He died for my soul. And he cared enough for me to do something like that. And so we need to start looking at people from, from that perspective. And so as we dive back into the heart of evangelism, I, I really wanted to just do a quick reminder on this first point that we covered. We spent the entire class last time on this one. 
And that is when you want to truly do the work of the Lord, you've got to learn how to love God. And I think all of our unfaithfulness goes directly back to our inability to love God properly. When you love God correctly, everything else in your life just falls into place. It really, really does. Um, you don't have to. I think a lot of times in the Christian life, we tend to like force things in. And, and sometimes it can be like... Um, you know, we look at another person and we really look up to them and we see how they walk with God and we want to do the same things. Or uh, we know and we feel guilty that we're not spending enough time in God's Word or we're not praying and so we want to start to do it. And oftentimes feel we get very frustrated because you feel like you're taking, you know, a, a puzzle piece that just doesn't fit. I know many of you guys like to do puzzles at all. And that's one thing that Megan loves to do. She loves to do puzzles. Every time we go on vacation, she's got a new puzzle that she does. And that's one of her goals at the end of vacation. But there are times where I think it's so frustrating because it looks so close and you don't you almost feel like you're like your team I will make it fit and it just doesn't work you end up damaging the whole puzzle but there's a certain piece and as you find it and it goes in it goes and it just fits right in it's like ah it's like one of the most satisfying things that you can have and I feel like in the Christian walk it's a lot like that that you'll see things in other people's lives and you'll try to emulate it but it just doesn't fit it just doesn't work and you get frustrated and that's because you're not them there, there could be similar elements that you might want to follow after. There are certain things that you'll want to uh, even emulate in your own life and, and follow their example. But you have to learn how to walk with God on your own. Because you cannot walk with God based upon someone else's faithfulness. Like It, it will never work. Your, your faithfulness to the Lord is always dependent upon you figuring it out between you and God. You are not like anybody else. There are similarities for sure, but you've got to figure this out. And I had to learn that the hard way in my life because being raised in a family where my dad was the pastor and my mom was, was serving and they loved the Lord and I heard their story and I would see the things that my dad would do. There would be oftentimes where I had great frustration because I would see my dad and the way that he would read and the way that he would study and I would see the way that he would pray and that he would minister and it just wasn't the same for me. Like even to this day, the way my dad teaches, I, I crack up all the time. When we were in JBI and I was a student, I can't tell you how many times in my dad's class, which were very difficult, I had students come up to me and say, uh, what, what did your dad mean when he said this? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm not my dad. And then I would often say that I'm more of an Ambrose than I am a Winnica just because I think more like my mom than I do my dad. But they would do that to me all the time because they thought that just because I was his son that I would understand how he operates in his mind. And I'm like, well, it's probably this. It's probably that, but I, I don't know. And I feel that way in our Christian life. That you have to come to the place in your life where you're like, you come to the, the place in your heart where you are determined and you say to yourself, forget it, forget everybody else. I'm going to walk with God. I need to figure this out. I've got great examples and I can see them and they can give me great inspiration, but I have to walk with God. I, I'm the one that he wants to walk with and meet with him and I'm not like anybody else. And so I want to have a relationship with him. So I need to figure this thing out. And once you get to that spot, man, you're in a great place, a great place because you can, you cannot walk with God based on someone else's life. You can be encouraged, but you can't use that as the reason to be faithful to God. It's not going to work. It's going to come to an end and you're going to get frustrated. So you need to learn how to do it yourself. 
And that's why I love how God wants to spend time with us. And so my perspective of God changed a lot of it. There were many catalysts in my life, but I go back to that mission trip to Costa Rica where I shared these verses with you. And that's why I wanted to show you that Exodus 24 one where Moses was going up to the mountain and God said, come up and meet with me and be there. I will be there. You be there. I will be there. Let's meet together. And that's really how God looks at you. Forget it. Forget everybody else. Forget your family. Forget your friends. Forget everybody else at church. Come and meet with me. Be with me. And I will teach you. And then you'll be able to walk with God. And it's an incredible thing. So I hope that you've been challenged. And I hope that you guys have been trying to do it. You guys have had winter break so far for a week. you got one more week left. And I hope that you've been taking advantage of it. Um, but I know it's hard because you're out of your routine. Uh, so I hope that you've been able to do that. If not, then try to make some changes this week. Okay. So your perspective of God must change. It must change. You can see other people and how they walk with God. You can learn the different Bible stories from Sunday school classes and growing up through church. You can do all that kind of stuff. But you have to have your perspective change. You have to come to that spot where you really want to spend time with God. And that you want to talk with Him and you want Him to talk with you. And it's one of the greatest burdens that's on your heart. You've got to come to that spot. And however you get there, man... There are verses that will stand out to you that you will go back to as anchors for the rest of your life. I mentioned that last week for me, and those were some of them for me. Okay, so as you do that and you start to see your, your perspective of God change, then the second point, and this is where we're going to pick up today, you will pray and depend on the Scriptures more. You will. So let's kind of reverse this a little bit. If you struggle with prayer and if you struggle with Bible reading, then your perspective of God has not changed. Because when your perspective of God changes and you really see that you need Him, like that you really need Him in the depths of who you are, that you can't survive a day without Him, then you won't read the Bible and you won't pray. This is the same for me, same for you. This is all things that we all have in common. And when your perspective of God changes, you will pray and you will depend on the Scriptures more. So let's take a look at a few of these verses. Uh, Psalm 119, we're going to go through together, but give me a reader for Psalm 116, 1 and 2. Carson. Psalm 116, 1 and 2. And then Psalm 138, verse 2. Who wants that one? Sam, you can take that one. All right, so I've shared Psalm 116, 1 and 2 with you before. We talk about this one in our prayer study. I love this verse. Every time, every time I read this verse, it helps me. It helps me. Psalm 116, 1 and 2. Go ahead. I love the Lord because He hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. I love him because when I speak, he hears me. And then the next verse, because he hears me, I'm going to call on him as long as I live. That is like, if I could describe a relationship with God, like that's it. And oftentimes we don't see God that way. And I don't know why. I mean, I have my guesses. I have my theories. We live in a very consumer-driven world, and we look at God that way. Uh, that as long as uh, we, He benefits us, we'll call on Him then. Or if I'm in a tough spot, I'll call on Him on that, at, 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 at that time. But I'm just not going to. Why would I call on God every day? Why, why would I do that? I have no need to do that. And we treat Him, and I've heard this before, as a genie. Or we just go to Him whenever we need Him. And, or whenever we are, are wanting to be blessed and we obey Him because of the benefits that He brings. And that's not how it works. It's not how it works. And so if that's the mindset you have, you've got to get that out of you. You have to get it out of you. I love the Lord because when I call upon Him, He hears me. 
there's no greater thing. There's no greater comfort in the world to know that when everyone else is gone, when all my friends and my family have failed me, that I can call upon God and He hears me. So it doesn't matter what happens in this world. It doesn't matter what unfolds, no matter how difficult it may be. I know that He's always there. And, and that's, a, that's, a, that's a level of a relationship that I think every human longs for. But they're not willing to do what it takes to have it. And it's super simple. And it, it boggles my mind, I think, at times where... Like, people say that they love God, that they want to be with God, that they want God to use them, that they want to follow God's will... But they never, they never grasp hold of simple truths like this. And the reality is to get something like this, to get this kind of a relationship, it requires you to be incredibly humble and incredibly needy and incredibly desperate and incredibly weak. Um, and no one wants to be that way. Like, no one wants to be seen as weak and frail and... And, and needy and and just no one like no one wants to be that way and I, and I think that if you would be willing to understand understand that okay you may not want to be that way but you are that way so admit that to the Lord and start walking with him everything would start to unlock in your life when it comes to your walk with God everything it is our pride it is your pride it is your arrogance it's it's my Haughtiness, my 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 high-mindedness that stops me from being able to admit the fact on a daily basis that I need the Lord, and that I'm not smart enough, that I'm not strong enough, that I don't have all the answers. But yet I know that I don't have all the answers. I know that I'm not strong enough. I know that I that I don't have the ability. I don't have the wisdom, and yet I act like I do. And this is where we just go completely off the rails. And so it would be better for you to start off your day in that kind of a mindset of saying, God, I know nothing. You know everything, and I need you to guide me today. And even my own thoughts and my own plans that I have that I think would work won't without you. Because, I mean, you can see person after person. One of the greatest examples in the Scripture is Saul, who had everything figured out, and yet he completely disobeyed God, completely and totally. Now, I was reminded a couple, it was about a week and a half ago, there was a little nugget. Uh, I only had like just a few short minutes in the morning just because of the way my morning went. And I was reading and it just hit two verses and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Remember the story when Saul uh, was king and he already had one strike from God. And so God's like, all right, Samuel, go to Saul and tell him to go and destroy the Amalekites. And he's like, okay, go and utterly destroy the Amalekites. Everything that they have, every, all of it. And Saul said, okay. So Saul takes his people, they go, and they destroy the Amalekites. Except, he comes back, and he hears, uh, Samuel hears the bleeding of the sheep, and all the other animals, and he has King Agag with him. And Saul declares in front of everybody, even before the Lord, I have done all that the Lord has commanded me. And Saul's like, what? No, you haven't. If you have, then why do I hear this bleeding of sheep in my ears? Why is King Agag here? You didn't do. Yes, I have. Like, you can read it. Saul's so like, yes, I did. I did everything that God told me to do. And Samuel's like, does God have delight in burnt offerings? No. He wants your obedience. Right. 
He wants your obedience. He doesn't want you to sacrifice anything. He wants you just to obey. What did God say? And then you go and then you do that. And Saul's like, no, I did. I did. Oh, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is us. This is totally us. Because we want to obey God on our own understanding. We want to be faithful to Him according to our own standard. And saying, no, God, I am good enough to walk with you. And God's like, what are you talking about? No, you're not. You're not at all. And so we need to agree with God. And what happened was, is that later on, in, as you're reading in 1 Samuel, you'll find there comes a point where uh, Samuel is, is now dead. Uh, Saul is now lost the spirit of God altogether. And now you have David. And David had, doesn't have the king, um, the authority yet or anything. He doesn't have the kingdom. But there comes a point where he's with the Philistines. David is with the Philistines. And he's in this city called Ziklag, which I've, I've always loved the name of that city, Ziklag. And, uh, and so that one always stood out to me. But there was a verse in there that I never even really realized there before. So while David's living in Ziklag, he has his, his wives, he's got uh, all, the, all the men and all their wives and all their stuff with him. Well, the Amalekites come in and take all his wives and his stuff and all his men's wives captive and they burn the city with fire and they go. And David's like, we're going to go after him. God, should I go? God's like, yes, go. And he goes and he recaptures everybody and, and recovers everything. And I thought, wait a minute, hold on a second. These are the same people that way back, just a few chapters ago, God told Saul to utterly destroy. And it says that he utterly destroyed them and that he even pursued them unto this city. And then you have the sheep and then you have the king. So it sounds like from the account that you have animals that were spared and just the king. But then you find out later that more people escaped. Because otherwise, how in the world would they have had enough men of the Amalekites to go and capture all that David had? And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Because here you have a scenario where Saul thinks, yes, I have done everything. I only spared the sheep and I only spared the king. No. Whenever you make room for sin, it always trickles out more. Like there's always other residual things that unfold. So even though you're like, okay, I'm going to obey God, but only just to this point. And only in this part, I'm not going to give this to God. Or I'm, I'm, I'm only going to obey Him like 99%. Well, that 1% where you don't obey God is actually going to turn into 20, 30, 40, 50% later down the line. It always does. Sin has a way of multiplying. That's why Jesus in the scriptures, He called it like leaven. It leaveneth the whole lump. It only takes a little bit of leaven, yeast, as you're working dough in, in order to leaven the entire thing. And that's exactly what happens in our life. And that was such a great, a great perspective for me because I'm like, my goodness, this is how I am. And it was a great reminder to me. And so I love Psalm 116 because it just reminds me how much I need God. How much I really, really need Him. Psalm 138, verse 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Okay, God has magnified what above his name? His word. His word. Everyone say it together. His word. Okay, some of you are still sleeping. Let's say it. His word. All right, excellent. All right, I think I got everybody with me. Okay, his word. He's magnified his word above his name. So you should be esteeming God's word in your life. God's word should have a place in your life unlike anything else. When your perspective of God changes, you will call upon him. You will pray to him. And secondly, this book will be way much more than just a book. 
This book becomes your lifeline. This book becomes everything. Not just a Christian checklist, not just a thing that Christians are supposed to do, not information about God. None of that. This becomes everything. Everything. To the point where when you are not in it on any given day, you feel horrible. Not guilty. You feel like you're missing something. Like, have you ever gone a day without eating? Some of you are like, no, never done it. Give it a shot. You know how hard that is? It's very difficult. How long have you gone without water? <laughs> Has there been an extended period of time where you've not had water and you're like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm dying. I need water. I need something. Or have you just drank like tons and tons and tons of pop and you didn't drink any water? Like, you know, one of those deals. Your body starts to feel the effects of it. When you go a long time without having proper food and proper water or even proper rest, you, your body starts to go out of whack completely. And this is exactly why God equates his word to bread, water. And he tells you to take his yoke upon you and learn from me. You will find rest for your souls. So the Word of God has to change. And so when you read Psalm 119, and we're going to do this together. We're going to split this up. I want everyone to read a different verse. Um, and uh, we'll do it by volunteer basis. But I want to go through Psalm 119. And I want you to see David loved God's Word. He loved God's Word. His perspective of God was, God, I need you. I, I mean, and you look at David. He was a man who was strong. He was wise. He was skilled. He had a lot to offer. And yet, he needed God. And I feel like after reading this, he needed God more than anybody else. And this is the kind of attitude that we need to have. All right, so just give me some readers. We got verse 10. Who's verse 10? All right, Carson. Uh, Dustin, take verse 18. Uh, 24. You got that one. You can take verse uh, 30. Verse 50, you got verse 54. Uh, verse 59, you got that one, Elliot. Verse 63, uh, 71, 171. Jared, um, 98 through 100. Andy, 105, 114. Did you already read one? Or you got another one? There's this number two. 138 too. Okay, do 114. All right, and then uh, go ahead and take, uh, what's the next one? 158, 161. Come on, 161. Rick? And then 165. Or you already had one. All right, let's do somebody else. 165. Raise your hand. Jaden, 168. All right, sweet. Okay, we're going to go through and we're going to do verse by verse. And I want you to see in these verses not only how David loved God's word, but how it directly impacted something very specific in his life. All right? Listen to verse 10. Go ahead. With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wonder from thy commandments. Okay. So what do you observe from that one? Are you asking? Yeah, go for it. I thought you were just asking generally. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, you, you, you. <laughs> um, so he's seeking God with his whole heart. Yeah. Um, he doesn't want to wander away from that. 
Okay, so, so, great observation. I feel like you just read the verse again. Yeah. So it says, let me not wander from thy commandments. But that's required. And so if you don't want to wander away from God's word, what do you have to do? Seek him with the whole heart. Not a divided heart. That means you've got to be all in on this. See, a lot of people, this is what I'm talking about, where they want to worship God when it benefits them. But they don't when it gets hard. Okay, then you're double-minded. You're double-hearted. You can't do this. You're going to wander. So do you wander away from God's word? Do you wander away from his commandments? Do you find yourself doing that? Then you've never sought him with your whole heart. When you seek him with your whole heart, you will not wander. That's David. This is where we need to look in the mirror of God's word, look at our life, and say, oh my gosh, I'm not doing that. I need to seek him differently. I need to change the way that I view God, my perspective. It's off. All right, next one, verse 18. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Okay, what do you learn from that one? That he needs his eyes open to be able to see what God wants him to do. Yeah, he can't open his eyes. God, open my eyes so that way I can behold wondrous things out of thy law. Do you get nothing out of your Bible? Like when you read it, is it dry? Does it feel like nothing? You're not being taught anything? Well, then you're not asking God to open your eyes because you don't think you need your eyes opened. I, this is why I love the Bible. Because I'm like, oh my gosh. Ugh. God, teach me. I'm not doing this. Open my eyes. I want to. I need you today. And he'll answer that prayer. He'll answer that prayer. All right, next one. Verse 24. My testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Okay, what's your observation on that one? He delights in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And they are? His? Delight. Yes, and? Counselors. counselors. Do you love getting into God's Word? Like, you may not love getting into it at the first, but after you've been in it, you're like, oh, this is sweet. I really needed this today. And when you need counsel, do you go to God's Word for that counsel? Do you know where to go to get counsel on certain things in your life? Because David, he delighted in God's Word, and God's Word was his counselors. Counselors. It helped him with all the decisions that he was making. All right, next verse, verse 30. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. Okay, what do you observe out of that one? Uh, like, he's saying that, like, he's laying God's word before him so that, like, when he makes a decision, he chooses, like, the truth or what God wants him to do. Yes, very good. And also, look at how it's worded. I have chosen the way of truth, and then there's a colon. Anytime you see a colon in your Bible, it means what he's about to say expands on what he just said. So, I have chosen the way of truth, colon, because I've chosen the way of truth, thy judgments have I laid before me. If I'm going to walk in truth, am I going to do the things that are truthful in my life? Then I must lay your judgments before me. If I don't lay them before me, I cannot walk in truth. And it's a choice you have to make. It's not about your feelings. Because there are many days that I don't feel like walking with God. I don't feel it. Great. Welcome to the team. That's what it means living in our flesh. It's sinful and corrupt. So choose it. 
choose it, make a choice. I don't care how I feel, I know I need God, I'm going to choose to do it anyway. That's what you need to do. All right, next verse. Verse 30, never mind, we did 30, verse 50. This is my comfort and my affliction, that the Lord hath forgiven me. Okay, what do you learn from that one? Not just that God's word comforts when we're struggling and how the power to use Him. Yeah, when you're afflicted, He is one of your greatest comforters. There are so many Christians that when they're afflicted, they run from God. They run away from Him. They want nothing to do with God. Are you kidding me? When you are afflicted and you're in pain, you need Him then more than ever. Run to His Word. Because your, His Word, God's Word, it quickens you. It makes you alive. It helps you. It comforts you. All right, verse 59. Or verse 54. Sorry. Uh, my statues have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. Okay, what do you learn out of that one? Um, so like... God's statues have been in David's heart, like the kind of like songs to him. Yeah. And the like whenever he goes out. Yep. Exactly. They're like songs. I mean, what do songs do for you? Like there are certain songs. I know for me that bring up different things from my past, or uh, things that have been a great comfort, or things that were really really good, or things that were really really bad. And sometimes when we're in certain moods, don't you just want to just pop in some music and just chill out for a minute? It's the same with the Word of God. That's what David did. There are days where it's like, oh, I just need to hear you. I need to hear you. And he does that. And there are certain songs as he's walking throughout his day that the songs from God's Word just echo in his heart. There are certain verses throughout the day that I know that will pop into my mind when I need it, when I'm talking with somebody, or if I'm struggling, or if I'm working through something, and God reminds me of this verse, I'm like, oh, it's so good. And now I'm at a spot now where I have more verses running through my head than songs, and I'm very thankful. I used to listen to music all the time, all the time. And it's something that would change a lot. And now I have more of God's Word in me, and it helps me tremendously, tremendously. All right, verse uh, 59. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. Okay, what do you get out of that one? Um, we, we need to turn to the Bible and God because our ways aren't good enough. Yeah, but we first have to... What does it say? The break thought, think. Yes, we got to thought, thought, think it. Yes, yeah, so we have to think about our feet. We have to think. This, this is where we get very terrible. We're living in a culture where you're not supposed to think. You're not supposed to think. You just need to accept how things are. That's how it is. Well, that doesn't make sense. That's how it is. Just go with it. Don't rock the boat. Hold on a second. Think a little bit. If you're willing to stop and think a little bit, you'll find out more and more how psycho this world is and how much God actually makes sense and how much you really need Him. So you need to think on your ways and then you will have to turn, which is a choice you have to make, your feet unto His testimonies. All right, verse 63. Okay, what do you get out of that one? My perspective of like, who God is will change so little. My perspective on who people are mm-hmm. it's not going to be about me or what I'm comfortable with. Yeah. It's about following Him. Yeah, absolutely. And your friends will change. I mean, the people that value God the way that you really want to value will become your dearest friends. And it will change. So who are your closest friends? Your closest friends should be ones that also value God's Word, or else you really don't value God's Word. I'm not saying don't be friends with people that don't love God. I'm not, and I'm not saying don't be friends with lost people. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying your companions, your companions, the people that you are comfortable in keeping company with, they love God's Word. And so it's a great measuring stick on how much do you really love God's Word? How much do you really love it? 
Because you'll find that you'll have more in common with other people that love God's Word than otherwise. Alright, verse 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Okay, go for it. What do you want with that one? Um, like it's good that God has put challenges in your life so that you can grow spiritually. Yeah. Yep, again, it's another it's like that other verse we just read. When you are afflicted, where do you go? Does it drive you back into God's Word? It should. It did for David. All right, verse 98 through 100. Thou through my command, thy commandments hast made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. All right, Andy, what do you get? I'm smarter than all my teachers. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were going to say, if they listen to God's Word, they can be so much smarter than you. Yeah, I'll take that too. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> well, I mean, like, you know, it, it says right out here, because of His commandments, He is wiser, and He, and he right. thinks on those things. The precepts are the same thing as commandments. Right. He thinks and meditates on those things. Right. And I think when we're obviously meditating on the Word of God, it, it changes our thinking, it changes our heart. Yes. So, yes, completely. absolutely. And when you follow the Lord and you really invest in His Word, it will make you smarter than anybody else. It, discipleship is working, let me put it to you this way, discipleship is working properly when your disciple can pass you up. Yes. <laughs> now for some, <clears throat> Andy, it's a little bit easier than others. No. But for, for, for real, that's how it's supposed to work. Like there are things now, and this is weird, like I'm in a weird phase in my life now, where my dad is my dad, but I'm, I'm learning how to actually become his pastor. It's weird. It's very strange. Because there are things where my dad will approach me now very differently. He's like, hey, Stephen, I want to get your thought on something. And then he'll put it out there. I'm like, no, nah, I don't really agree with that. There's this, okay, never thought about that before. Or a scenario unfolds and he came to me and he's like, so how do you think I should handle this? Like, this is my dad. Like, how in the world am I supposed to answer that one? But he's starting to do that and, I'm, and it's changing. But it's not because that I'm so much smarter than my dad. Like, that's not how this works. I have spent time now walking with God. He has spent time walking with God. And we're at a phase now where he is, oddly enough, and this is so humbling on my part, where he wants to learn from God through me. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. That's, that's strange to me. And so I read verses like this, and I'm like, how is this possible? Well, it's because I'm not following my Father for my faithfulness to the Lord. I need to follow the Lord end of story, and then as a result, then I'm able to help the people that are around me. And as my parents get older, and there's other things that they work through, then I'm able to now be their counselor, which is very strange, at a time where I feel like, who am I to counsel them? It's weird. And as you walk with God, He will do this with you. He will help you. He will make you wiser than your enemies, so you never have to worry about your enemies. He'll make you uh, have more understanding than your teachers. And you're going to un understand more than the ancients. There's going to be aspects that you're going to understand God in ways that even Moses couldn't. Figure that one out. Like There are ways that God uniquely touches you that David will never understand. If you let him. That is incredible. And how we just ill-treat God's Word and pretend like this is just 
I just gotta read my Bible. No, 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 no. Do you understand? Like, do you get the fact that God wants to meet with you in such a way that He wants to teach you so many things in such a unique way that other people that have walked with God that we read about don't even understand? I'm convinced that there's going to be a day that we get to heaven and we're going to sit down with all the people that have gone before us, the people that we read about, and they're going to look at us and say, oh my gosh, I was watching and I heard about this and this. How did you do that? And we're like, what are you talking about? Oh, that Laodicean time period. It is so just deceitful and wicked. I... Yeah, we, I know. I would have made. I would have made like thousands more mistakes than you did if I lived during that time. And we're looking at them, saying, "Are you kidding me? How did you have the courage to stand up and kill Goliath? Like, how did you do that, Moses? What were you thinking? Like, when you rose the, the you took your staff and you rose it up, and and the, the sea yeeted, parted. Sorry. And, and it, how did you? How did you do that? Like, how did you? And Moses is going to look at us and and he said, "Well, how did you do this? And how did you do that?" And I'm telling you, everyone is born and God uses them however He wants to use them at that given time. There, it is not a coincidence that you were born at this time in history. And this is the time that the Bible talks about. is the time that tries the whole world. It's the time of temptation, great temptation, where people are walking away from God. They don't want to have anything to do with the Lord. They want to have nothing to do with His Word. And now is the time for you to dive into this thing and let God have His way in you. And He wants to teach you some amazing, amazing things. Alright, Psalm 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Alright. Give me the goods on that one. Uh, like if you trust and believe what the Bible says and you stay faithful in it, it mm-hmm. will lead you in the path that you want. You will. He'll enlighten everything around you. It's not going to be like a dark path where you don't know where to go. No, you'll know where to go because God's Word is going to enlighten your path. And you look at God's Word that way. It's hard to walk around. And you can function for a little while in the dark. But you need a light. You need a light or else you're going to trip and you're going to fall. All right, 114. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in my word. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Because of the comfort and protection that God provided, David put his hope in God. Yeah, absolutely. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I love those two characteristics. And it's because he hoped in his word. But a hiding place. Whenever my kids get scared, guess where they want to run? To the bathroom. I <laughs> said that one. <laughs> okay. The bathroom is my comfort and my shield. Okay, no. <laughs> to their parents. <laughs> you can always count on Carson just to... Make us think slightly differently than anybody else. Okay. All right. So they want to run to their mom and dad. I can't tell you how many times that my kids get scared or, you know, even little things that aren't even really real. Like I was, I was cracking up yesterday. So one of the gifts that we got our kids is we, ended up, we, we got the Oculus too. And so there was a video and it was of like Jurassic World and like Lucy's like, can I try? Can I try? Can I try? And I'm like, okay, all right. So put the giant goggles on her. And so she has it on her head and then I'm trying to figure out how to navigate the menu without looking at it. So that was really fun. But then I hit the resume on the video and she sees these dinosaurs and it's like all around her and she starts freaking out. She's like, can I hold your hand? And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Like that's all she needed. She just needed someone to hold her hand. But she was getting so freaked out because she thought the dinosaurs could see her. And, and I'm like, it's just a video. But she was just freaking out. And that's all she wanted. She just wanted to hold someone's hand. That's it. 
and it helped her to kind of get through the Jurassic World video. It was really funny. But little things like that, that's just, people around you are a source of comfort, and that's how it is with God. God is your hiding place. The best hiding place is a place that no one knows about, that no one can find you, where you know you can be alone, and the world can just stop. God is that way for you, if you want it. And He is your shield. Man, a shield is very, very important. Very important to deflect anything that comes your way. And you got to have a strong shield. Very important. I like that one. 158. Okay, observation on that one. He was sad because other people weren't Yeah. So when you love God and you depend on the scriptures, you will see others that aren't doing what God has told them to do. And you're not going to get mad. I mean, you may. Because that could be your initial reaction. You might get frustrated. But what do you do? According to that verse. Grieved. Grieved. This is how it's easier to just be patient with people because when they're not following God's word, it grieves you. Grieves you. Because it grieves the Lord. I love that verse. 161. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. All right, Rick. What's that one? So, you're talking about false accusations. Princes. These are people that are in an authoritative position. Yeah. They falsely accuse him. Devotionally, you're going to be in a position at some point where you're going to be falsely accused. Whether it's by a boss that you work for, a spouse that you're married to, Mm -hmm. you're going to have a spot where you're going to be falsely accused. And the question is, how are you going to deal with that? Yes. Are you going to freak out? Are you going to freak out? Are you going to, where are you going to turn to? What are you going to do? And the second part of that verse is, but my heart standeth in all of thy word. It's not, my mind sitteth. It's my heart standeth. It's an active verb in that standeth. He has such a confidence in coming back to God's word. Psalm 119.11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Right. He's got such a strength in that. And the question is, do we come to that point? Are right. we there? Right. Do we, if you, I mean, if you read the Psalms, you come back to it. This is David's pattern. It's a seesaw pattern. He's always, yeah. he's always talking about his enemies. He's being pursued by his enemies. You read it all through, through his accounts. But he always comes back to this. He's yep. always coming back to, he's in awe of thy work. He's always coming back to God. And the question is, are we getting there? Exactly. I'm not, I'm guilty of not getting Oh, yeah. When you get falsely accused, what's your first reaction? Defend yourself. Defend yourself. Yeah, but, no, that's not what happened. And we want to, that's what we want to do. We're ready to fight it. We are ready to fight it, for the most part. And what this is telling us is when that happens, do you know that sometimes fighting back is actually the worst thing you could do? Especially when you're dealing with a prince. Like it's the, like the worst thing you could possibly do. And there are days at times where you're going to have to go back to the Lord and be like, God, you know exactly what's going on. And I don't need to defend myself to you. You know this is happening. You know that I want to deal with it. And you know that I'm upset about it. But you know me, and I know you, and you know the truth of the matter, and I have to trust you. Oh, man. And it says, I stand in awe of thy word. When you're, I mean, when you're like getting at it, and you're ready to fight, and you're ready to contend, you're not standing in awe of anything. It's almost like you're getting ready to fight, but then you go back to God's word, and you look at it, and and you let your defenses down. Because God knows what's going on. 
God sees. He understands. He will deal with it. There are many things that you're going to have to just let God deal with in His time. I can't tell you, I, I, learned, I learned this lesson early on, just observing it with my parents. The church that we came from, my dad's church, so many of you know the story. My dad was falsely accused on so many different fronts. He was the senior pastor, he started the church. But there came a point where he was so falsely accused that almost the entire staff left and about half the church left. And I watched my dad and I saw what he did. And then as he rebuilt things, there's another guy on staff that ended up stabbing my dad in the back and tried to do something very, very similar. And there came a point where I saw my dad in a scenario where he could have very easily reacted. He could have very easily defended himself. He could have very easily, but he chose to do that, which was right. And then he just let it go. And then he would see these people later on down the line, out and about and everything. And I'm thinking to myself, how could they, how could they look at my dad and not, and not feel conviction? How could they not? And then I see how my dad would even act with them. And his mindset was, there are some things that may never get resolved, but it will all be revealed at the judgment seat of Christ. There's going to come a day in the future that God is going to lay everything out. And whatever has not been resolved is going to get resolved. And I don't need to worry about it. And I don't need to get bitter about it or angry about it or frustrated about it. Do you know how hard that is? That is so hard. Especially when you feel like your testimony, your reputation has been maligned. And that you want to rebuild it or defend it. I mean, look at Jesus. What did the Pharisees call him? Yo, you wine-bibber, you drunkard friend of publicans and sinners? Why would you? Oh, okay, yeah, you're, you're the Christ, you're the Son of God. Well, then take yourself down off the cross if you really be the Son of God. And you know what he said? Nada. And I'm telling you, on that day, I mean, many of them already know because they're dead and they know that Jesus is the, is the Christ. They know that. But on that day where the person they crucified becomes the judge, they will not open their mouth. They can't. They won't be able to because God has defended His Savior that He sent for us, Jesus. And God will make all things right. We always have to remember we're, we are in enemy territory. We live day in and day out in enemy territory and things are not going to be righteous. They're not. They're not going to be. Alright, where do we leave off? We got 161. We just did that one. Alright, 165 and then 168 and then we'll end it. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend. Oh, I love this verse. Tell me about it, Jaden. If you love God's word, then you'll have peace. And you won't get offended. Oh, yes, right there. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing. Great definition. No thing. Nothing. Nothing will offend you. Nothing. Okay, so if you get offended very, very easily, then God is not having his way in your life. And his word is not ruling in your heart. I'm telling you, that's how it is. That's how it is. Okay. So take that one to the bank. That one's a good one. If you want peace in your life, then you need to love God's word and nothing will offend you. Nothing. Great maturity. All right. And then lastly, 168. I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies for all thy ways Okay. Tell me about that one. Because he kept... God's word uh -huh. in his heart, he stayed on that path. Yes. And 
a great way is that he says, all my ways are before thee. So I've kept thy precepts and thy testimonies for all my ways are before thee. When you have an attitude of God, all my ways are before you. You see everything. Like there is nothing hidden that you cannot see. Everything is laid bare. Everything is open. It is so much easier to walk with God. It is so much easier to walk with God. So I wanted, to t- I wanted to do this. I knew it would take up a lot of time, but I love Psalm 119. There are verses like this that are all over your Bible. In Proverbs, and the Gospels, and I mean in Paul's epistles. There are verses like this that are all over the place that if you just stop and read it, oh my goodness, it shows you my perspective is off. My perspective of God is off. I need to get my perspective of God corrected. And then once I do that, man, I can pray. And I'll pray properly, and I'll get into God's Word, and I need God's Word. David was a man after God's own heart because he loved God, and he loved God's Word. If you say you love God, you will love His Word. If you do not spend time in God's Word, you do not love it. And so you need to change your perspective. And it's very, very simple. It's as easy as going to God and saying, God, I have had this whole thing wrong, and I feel like something's missing. I've not been approaching this the right way. And I need you to open up my eyes. I need you to change me. I want to spend time with you. I can't be like this person or that person. I can't be like that person. I need to walk with you. I need to walk with you. Would you please just teach me how to do that? And then make that choice every single day to do it. Regardless of how you feel, talk to Him. Open up your Bible. Spend time with Him. It's you and Him. You and Him. Nobody else. And if you're willing to do that, He will change your life. He'll change everything. And then you're going to be able to have the proper heart to minister on His behalf. Alright, next week we're going to hit the last two. That you're going to walk with the Lord and gain more of His heart. And that you're going to be purified in your own life. And then we'll move on in this study. Alright, give me someone to pray for us and then we will be done. Go ahead, Sam. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, just thank you for this day. Just thank you that we have the ability to come and just have fellowship and learn about you, I pray. Uh, Lord, that we just take this lesson and let it sink into our hearts, Lord. And ultimately, Lord, just let it give us a zealousness and passion to go and dive into your word. I pray that we also have open hearts toward uh, the message in the main service that you give Tom words to speak. Um, and Lord, just throughout the rest of this week, uh, as we're on break, Lord, that we'd be looking for opportunities to glorify you, but also very closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.